you know, like gold hoops, you know, the baggier clothes like in the 90s. There are a lot of statements that were made by the African-American culture and that were influenced by hip hop in general, which was created from the black struggle once again. So just seeing all that and understanding that it kind of gave me hope to, you know, never give up. I'm like, we've been resilient in so many ways. You know, what's the point of giving up now? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Journey in Color. Today, I'm going to be talking to a Guyanese-American makeup artist who has over 11,000 followers on Instagram and talks about important issues like the Black Lives Matter movement on her social media platforms. Thank you so much, Kayla Clinton, for talking to me today. Hi, of course. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yes. All right. So I started the podcast off with um, like three sort of um, questions that are, you can just give them brief answers just so people get a sense of who you are. Okay. So what is one makeup item that you can't live without? Oh my gosh. I feel like eyelashes, honestly. I love foundation. I love all the rest. But when I wear just eyelashes, I feel like I still feel look like I'm wearing makeup. So definitely eyelashes. I love them. Mm. What is one thing in your life that will make you happy no matter what? That's such a good question. Um, I would say my family. Um, My family's always there for me. They're very supportive, very loving, and they accept me no matter what. So they Mm. will always make me happy. Oh, that's so cute. Thank you. If you were stranded on an island by yourself with only a phone, who would be the first person you called? Um, My mom. My mom's my best friend. She's my number one supporter, too. So my mom. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. Thanks. (laughs) Love her. <laughs> uh, love that. So, you know, getting into some other questions, let's talk the Black, Matter, Black Lives Matter movement. Of course. Um, you know, what was your response when you sort of saw the uplift on social media, you know, your emotions and feelings, and what was your response in terms of actions? Uplift as far as, you mean, like, support for the movement? Yeah. Okay, so I was extremely encouraged, um, very happy, because in general, just the treatment of Black people in the United States is very discouraging. Um, A lot of people don't believe that that it even exists, and it's like, how can you completely undermine my experience? So when you see people encouraging and supporting and understanding and trying to educate themselves, it's empowering it's amazing um and my honestly I felt like I was called to action like I didn't go to too many protests just because you know I was scared for myself as far as um the the epidemic goes the coronavirus Mm -hmm. epidemic goes so I didn't Mm want to go out and expose myself but I was always constantly posting I was telling people where they could donate I was donating myself like there was just other ways that I felt like I could still push and dr- push and empower this movement so I did whatever I could do with that yeah I think that's amazing thank you You know you talk really I think positively about your response but did you feel any anger because obviously you know racism in America is not a new problem it's not mm-hmm. something that just came up right. but why did people start you know taking this issue up now rather than like say five years ago ten years ago so I am very, I was very angry. I am still like, there were times when I would just break down and cry because it's, it's anger, but I, I feel like anger is a masking emotion. There's, there's hurt behind that. You know, it's just, we all, all black people want to do is be treated as equals. And the fact that 
that simple request is pretty much being denied is is hurtful. Um, the move Black Lives Matter movement actually, I believe, was started in 2016. I want to say 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. and um, you know we've been fighting for a long time. It's been the civil the civil war that it was civil rights movement, and now it's this. And you know this is just another point in history where we have to fight for it. But it's like we shouldn't even have to fight for it, you know. So that's a very infuriating um, in itself. Right, and I love that you talked about. You know, anger might be your first response mm-hmm. as an African-American, but it's only in masking emotion at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. it's the hurt that's built up from that and the hurt that's built up, obviously, from the inequality that's going on. Exactly. But I love that you are able to step back and, like, one, realize that, which is huge, but, like, two, also recognize like the positive part of the movement and how a lot of people are trying to educate themselves and going in the right direction, I guess. Yes. Which is, I think is important. It doesn't matter. Even a lot of black people, I feel like are um, misunderstanding a lot of what the black lives matter movement represents. So anyone can educate themselves, any age, any race, any gender, doesn't matter. You can Mm -hmm. educate yourself simply by, I mean, there are credible sources online. You can read books. There's just so many sources. So education is key for everyone, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I think the movement is pushing. More mm-hmm. than anything, more than posting on social media, just educating yourself individually is huge. Exactly, exactly. So talk a little bit about um, being Guyanese for a little bit. You know, what has that been like growing up, being Guyanese, being African-American? Mm-hmm. What has that been like? So I'm both. I am both, like you said. I'm, mm-hmm. My mother's side is Guyanese and my father's side is African-American. And a lot of times, um, you know, me and my mom were actually just talking about this yesterday. For her, it's very frustrating when people call her African-American because she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, she is Guyanese-American. She is Black, 100% Black, but she is Guyanese-American. Um, so what that means is basically African-American is a, an ethnic group that... It's basically a diaspora in this nation, and we cannot pinpoint our actual ancestral history in Africa. So it's pretty much Africa's a continent. It's just a general overstatement of you're from Africa and now you're an American. So mm-hmm. she's Guyanese. She knows where she's from. She understands her origin, her point of origin. Mm-hmm. So for me growing up, it was like I kind of felt that a little bit too, even though I am African-American. It felt like people tried to erase my Guyanese side by just strictly boxing me into African-American category. So um, it was a little bit difficult, personally. I had a lot of conflict. And even now, I still have some conflict. I'm learning more about um, both cultures so I can fully identify with both. I do technically identify more with Guyanese-American just because I was more emerged in it when I was a child. I I was raised with my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, I love both cultures now. It's definitely, I've come a long way with just accepting who I am and everything that makes me who I am. Mm. Yeah, I love that you talked about, you know, being in a box. I think a lot of people with mixed racial or, you know, mixed cultural backgrounds mm-hmm. face that. Mm-hmm. And it can be so difficult because we're always trying to labor ourselves. Exactly. And on those forms, trying to put, you know, what box to check mm-hmm. and things like that. Exactly, exactly. Like those moments, I think, are the toughest. But yeah, it's definitely a process. You know, what's been the biggest challenge with 
you know, coming from, I guess, two backgrounds? Um, feeling like I have to choose. <laughs> like, I don't want to <laughs> choose. Like, I love, you know, my guidance culture still. I, both have amazing music, amazing food. Um, you know, there are different different parts of the culture because there are things that are, you know, socially acceptable in Guyanese culture that aren't acceptable in um, African-American culture and vice versa. Like my grandmother, she, well, she's African-American, she's Christian. So she's very against like tattoos. Like she's old Christian. Like she just like doesn't think that mm. anyone should have tattoos. She says it's like, you know, marking your temple, which you shouldn't do. Wherein my grandmother's side, tattoos are extremely popular. Henna is very popular. Um, even I had, I remember I had temporary henna and my grandmother on my father's side was very upset. And I was like, grandma, this is my culture, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this is something that we do in my culture that represents, you know, an important part of, of our, an important part of our culture. So she was just very, she still doesn't understand, you know, like, I think it's just too having to explain to one side what the other side, what matters to the other side is really difficult too. So, um, that's, that was <laughs> definitely a huge difficulty even now. Yeah, exactly. That feeling of constantly having to explain yourself. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, what is something that you've done to ease yourself, I guess, into this cultural mix or to, um, like, positively impact yourself so that you're able to overcome your challenges coming from two backgrounds? Um. So I just never I, – I, I never – forget the other side basically I always I listen to music from both sides I eat both of the foods like I just emerge myself fully in both cultures just so I don't know just I never feel like I'm picking or I feel like I'm neglecting Mm -hmm. or forgetting anything like the African-American culture there there are a lot of culture a lot of people don't think that there's culture a lot of African-Americans are like oh I'm just black as if to say that's an insult but I'm like no, the African-American culture is so rich and so deep. And I still do a lot of research just trying to understand and, and find out, you know, what it is that makes an African-American person African-American besides the color of their skin and being here in America. So definitely doing research with that. I, I technically have like history books in my family because, you know, both my, grandpa- both my grandparents are older. Uh, my grandmother grew up in Alabama in the South in 1940s. So she has a lot of history mm-hmm. there. Um, so just asking questions, making sure that nothing goes forgotten is, is the best way I feel. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. I love that you brought up the point of, you know, what makes someone African-American besides being Black? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we use the term Black so often and in mainstream media, like, I don't know, African-American culture isn't really displayed. Mm -hmm. And so people don't really know about it. You know, can you talk a little bit about what that is? You know, what you've learned from your research um, about African-American culture and how it's more than just being Black? Right, it is. Like, okay, so like I was telling you earlier, it was just an ethnic group, a name of an ethnic group basically given to the diaspora of Black people here. But when... Black people came here and they were enslaved. First of all, they were taken from completely different countries in Africa. So many many of them didn't even speak the same language. So the fact that they had to band together and basically create an understanding to where they could, I mean, just just be together, just live together, just understand each other is incredible. It's just just learning about the resilience, um, you know, different things when it comes to like hair. Like I learned that they used to put like food in our hair so we could survive the Underground Railroad. Um, 
they used to use um, the fat from pig to grease our hair because I don't know if you know, but the, the cork, the, actually, you know what? You probably do know, but um, our coarseness, it requires consistently being conditioned and oiled. And they use the grease from that oh. to, the grease from the pig to actually oil condition our hair. It was, you know, taking scraps and bits, pieces that weren't even considered good for you that were given to black slaves were used as nutrition and now we're still used in cuisine, Southern cuisine. Like a lot of the Southern dishes that are created were created from black struggle. So just Mm. seeing all that and, you know, it just, I don't know, it just proves that African-American, the the soul is resilient, you know, that it it Mm -hmm. can be buried. Um, Gospel, a lot of poetry, you know, jazz, you know, just educating myself on the music there like a lot of it came from the hurt and the pain like there was no other way to dismiss that than to create art basically and you can't actually physically create art so another form of that is music and Mm -hmm. that was encouraging too it's like you know turning to to worship to praise when you're in a time of need is you know very powerful to me the fact that a whole genre came from it is extremely encouraging so um there's that and then to not even to mention like streetwear and different like you know fashion statements and things that not necessarily came from a struggle but just came from you know wanting to be creative and wanting to express yourself um you know like gold hoops you know baggier clothing in the 90s there are a lot of statements that were made by the african-american culture and that were influenced by hip-hop in general which was created from the black struggle once again so just seeing all that and understanding that it kind of gave me hope to, you know, never give up. I'm like, we've been resilient in so many ways, you know, what's the point of giving up now? I think that's so, so, so beautiful. And it's amazing that you're taking time to immerse yourself in your culture and in your history. Um, And I think, you know, people, you know, whether you're African-American or not, people need to start doing this Um, because obviously for you, it gives you that hope and it gives you that Mm. like inner strength to fight back you know, against all the horrible things that are going on around the world. Mm -hmm. But for other people, it just, it'll take away the ignorance or, you know, it'll be better for them to educate themselves. so They can understand, as we were talking about, you know, there's more to black person than just their skin. Exactly. Like 100%. You know, talking a little bit about ignorance, I think it's amazing you're immersing yourself in your culture and educating yourself. But people aren't still, you know, there's still people that, refuse to or that or haven't given it priority you know how do you deal with that sort of ignorance um you know I believe that you can you can help people to a certain extent but at the end of the day it's not my job to push anybody or require anyone to educate themselves and if they don't want to do it on their own they have they just have no place in my life personally um Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit I'm not even that much past, I'm too many years past a teenager. Not that many, but just too many to be trying to coerce coerce somebody into being a good person. And I, education, it it just makes you more well-rounded. I don't see like how that could be an argument anyway. Um, You don't have, I'm not saying you have to go to college. I'm not saying any of that. There are other ways to educate yourself. So if if someone doesn't want to do that, I mean, God bless them, but they don't have a place in my life personally. 
I love that. I think that's such a positive way to react from it because I think at least from what I saw, like on social media, mm-hmm. people were sort of pushing um, for education mm-hmm. and obviously that's good to a certain extent, but like pushing people around you and things like that, it can be tough because I guess the truth is like if they don't want to educate themselves and like you forcing them is not going to probably do anything. No, exactly. Great. You can't force. That's why when people are like, you made me do this, you made me do that. I can't make you do anything that you don't want to do. So if you don't want to learn, if you don't want to educate yourself, I can't make you do that, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to try. Yeah, exactly. I think the social media push is just for those people who are on the borderline who do want to make a difference Mm -hmm. but don't know exactly how. Exactly. Exactly. And that's definitely helping, I think. Mm -hmm. With the movement, like unraveling, I think more than just the movement, we've seen a lot of um, crisis be unraveled, like on social media. Mm -hmm. Like le- the Yemen crisis, oh my gosh, and police brutality in other countries. Mm-hmm. And although it's great, I think, that the awareness is being spread, do you feel like it's a bad thing in some way because it's taking like spotlight away from the Black Lives Matter movement? I think that there's room at the table for everybody. Um, I am a strong advocate for Black Lives Matter, but... I don't think that in order to project our message, we have to silence anyone else's. What's happening in, happening in Yemen, what's happening with um, Miss Vanessa, you know, in Texas, everything mm-hmm. going on is, it's not okay. Like, I, I feel like injustice for one is injustice for all. So no, I don't think it takes away. I think if anything, this can strengthen the movement because the Black Lives Matter movement, we're working against, you know, we're trying to defund the police. If mm-hmm. we can just... There, if there are enough cases that come together, like, you know, like, necessar- not necessarily um, with Vanessa, she wasn't, a, car- a crime wasn't committed ag- against her by police officers. Mm-hmm. But if we can just prove that our justice system is corrupt, because if, if her murderers go, you know, they walk or they don't get the, right. the conviction punishment. they deserve, exactly yeah. the punishment they deserve, that's just another tick off our justice system so that's just more proof that we need to do what we need to do whatever we can to defund the police and we need justice for her like we need justice for everybody i feel like it's it's everyone like we all have issues we all have problems and i think that it just now's the time for them to be addressed honestly i don't think it takes away from the black lives matter movement there's enough room for everybody (laughs) yeah i love that i love that approach Mm. um I, i think it's true i guess in some sense it's good that these issues are coming up and that people are standing up for them now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it started with the Black Lives Matter movement, that's great. But the mm-hmm. fact that other issues are also being exposed, I guess is great in a sense also that it helps us realize, I mean, like probably for people listening to us as well, like we're so privileged. We are. Like there's so mm-hmm. many things that we don't have to face and we can definitely be grateful for that. Definitely. Like we, everyone, I think... Okay, so, well, being in the United States, there is a certain privilege that we do have in general in comparison to other nations, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mind you, that doesn't, I'm not invalidating anything that I've been through that anything anyone else has been through because there are things that I've gone through that have been a struggle because of the color of my skin. But, you know, being an American, I can say I have running water, I have a roof over my head, I have electricity, and a lot of people in a lot of countries cannot say the same. So that in itself is a privilege, but then there are still other things that I want to get to that I just can't seem to break. So myself and many others can't seem to get, get past a certain point. Um, 
But I just feel like, too, like, I feel like if the Black Lives Matter movement encourages people to speak out about other issues, that's empowering in itself. Because I mean, that that means we're being heard. That means that people are seeing that we're getting results and then they want to see them, too, for, you know, their own cause. And that's important to me. I feel like there shouldn't be. Honestly, I don't think there should be any division at all. I feel like everyone should just treat it like a human because we're all literally humans. We believe the same. So there shouldn't be any conflict there shouldn't be any tallying it should just be everyone gets treated equally i don't see what the issue is personally no i couldn't even agree with you more that's that's really wonderfully said and yeah i think the issues that are coming up are also human issues and that's Mm -hmm. why it's great that if you know the progress that the black lives matter movement has made if other issues can also make some sort of progress just like that right um that would be amazing because at the end of the day it is human issues we are trying to just help each other see that we're all equal right at the end of the day exactly 100 percent. so all these things you know unraveling on social media you're definitely very active Mm -hmm. you know since you have a following but i think it's important to sometimes take a break you know what has been i guess keeping you sane and just allowing you to be yourself in this time of like tension i guess across america to tell you the truth being on social media and creating my content is what's keeping me sane. I, right now, I'm in um, LA and Mm -hmm. the rest of my family is in Northern California. So I've been here by myself since quarantine started. And, um, it's, I mean, you know, other people do it too. So I think, I don't think it's like anything that that's too pressing, but for me personally, like it was becoming, it was very depressing initially. Um, I still have, you know, waves of that, but being able to create and just be in my own headspace and like building, I guess my future has been very soothing, very comforting. Um, and that's been my one release. Like, you know, talking to family of course has been as well. Like I talk to my mom every single day. Like I was telling each of my best friends, mm. um, talk to my mom every day. I talk to my dad, uh, my grandparents, just keeping in touch with the people that I can't currently see because of this virus um, has been helping me a lot. I, Try not to take too many breaks. I feel like it's really not good for my mental health. I know that sounds like kind of weird, but Mm -hmm. I feel like if I take too many breaks, I just become depressed. You know, I I become, I I start to plateau and I I don't need to plateau. I need to keep climbing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, well, I think for you, it's about creating the content. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's obviously something that is keeping you sane, which is amazing. And Mm -hmm. so, for you being on social media is great and it's helping you which is amazing i want to help other people too though like i mm-hmm. right now I, I don't have the means i really don't have the money but um you know any I, i'm doing giveaways and things which is not i guess like a crazy amount of help but i do try and give back to people like i'm trying i just don't have all the money yet but that's why i'm keeping i'm gonna keep working because I'm, I'm gonna have the money so i can give back more and more that's my goal yeah that's amazing that's an amazing purpose and i think we need more people like that who are trying to make money but like not for the wrong reasons right i agree yes i agree that's that's Mm -hmm. true how can someone who's like listening to this podcast find that you know passion i guess for themselves you know for you it was makeup Mm -hmm. you know how did you find that but also how can someone listening find that for them so it's so funny because I feel like my purpose sprung from insecurity, which is so crazy. But, um, you know, I was really insecure when I was younger. And, you know, everyone still has insecurities. I feel like even the most confident person has insecurities. It's a constant battle. But 
when I was younger, it was very prominent in my life. Like, I feel like that was just like my over overbearing problem was my insecurities with, you know, my, my physical image. So I took makeup as a way to kind of like hide. But then after a while, I realized, you know, I didn't need it. It took a lot of soul searching. It took a lot of constantly telling myself a lot of um, affirmations and just constantly saying, you know, you're good enough without all the extra stuff. And just, I don't know, just learning to love myself inside out, I feel like really helped. And then from that, when you really, really love yourself, I feel like you can kind of open your eyes to what really matters to you, what what's, makes you passionate. And I realized that I liked art in general and makeup was just my medium of choice. So I like other forms of art. Like I like music. I love music. Um, I used to sing when I was younger. I still do kind of, but not like as I used to, I wasn't, I'm not as involved as I used to be. Um, I like just painting in general, sketching, any type of, any form of art, but makeup is my favorite kind. And I feel like, I don't know, like, yeah, really like my passion came from trying to combat my insecurity. So for anyone that's listening, though, I feel like the best thing to do is, you know, soul search, really take time to date yourself. Like, I know that sounds like crazy, but understand yourself. Like, what do you like? Because I remember when I was younger, my mom used to tell me, she was like, you don't even know yourself. And I was like, what do you mean? How could I not know myself? Like, I'm me. How could I not know who I am? But she was so right. There are still some things that I don't understand or know about who I am. And I've come a long way in soul searching. So honestly, Soul searching is the best way I feel like to find your passion. Do your do research to external research, but then reflect. And I think it'll come to you. I love that. You know what it is? I think sometimes we just need to set that priority in our life um, because we're so, you know, into that rat race and into just getting work done. Exactly. But sometimes we don't even know where we're going. So. Exactly. Exactly being able to take that as a priority and just like find time for that. I love that you mm. mentioned date yourself. I love That's, that. You know, cause I, I heard someone say that I forget exactly where I think it was a podcast actually just so funny. And I was <laughs> like, that is such a cute term. And I was like, it's so true when you date someone, you want to know all about them. So why don't you want to know all about yourself? You know? Yeah, exactly. How can, yeah. How can you find someone else when you don't even know yourself? Exactly. Exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I love, love that we touched on that point because finding that inner passion is all about soul searching and realizing like all the quirks and the little things that you like all about yourself. Mm, exactly, exactly. So in your journey, I guess, as a makeup artist, what has been your biggest lesson? Wow. Um, I feel like my biggest lesson is that there will always be, there's always room for you um, at the table. I, I know that a lot of people feel like, you know, the market is very oversaturated, that this is a very involved industry, and it is, but there is always something that you can bring that's unique and different that no one else can bring because you're you and they're not. Um, so I think learning that, because I was always very intimidated. I was like, oh, my God, that's so much better than me. I'm like, I'm not good at this. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know what I can bring that's different to the table. And, you know, just being myself, I guess, just being my talkative, over-the-top, obnoxious, <laughs> but fun um, and crazy self has, you know, has brought something different. So I think that that's the biggest thing I, I've taken away is that, 
there's always a seat for you at the table. You just have to make yourself known and you're there. I think that's some amazing advice because a lot of times people have big dreams. Um, yes. But, you know, when you have big dreams then you always feel like there's not enough room for you because there's so many other people who can do exactly what you can. Exactly. But oh realizing gosh. your potential, realizing that you have it in you and there's something mm-hmm. different that you can bring no matter what anyone really tells you. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. You know, with your self-love journey and with your journey of realizing your potential, Mm -hmm. what is advice you can give to someone who's struggling at this point, who has insecurities, hasn't found that, like, self-love point where they are able to see how much potential they have? I'm honestly speaking, learning to love myself happened when I moved away from home. Um, I feel like, you know, not everyone has the means necessarily to move away from home. I moved because of school. Um, but really being able to be away from my parents and have no authoritative, like, kind of power over me, telling me that you can't do this, you can't do that, really helped me to find what I like, you know, what I like and what I don't like. Um, so I moved to L.A. two years ago for school. And I'll be here, I'll probably be here for the rest of my life, honestly, I love it so much. But um, I think, yeah, you to travel. I think travel, honestly, I know that sounds, like, really weird, but traveling even if it's not permanent, like you living in that said, in said place for the rest of your life or a couple of years or whatever, just travel. I feel like seeing different cultures and witnessing different societies really helps you to figure out what you like and you don't like. Like, I feel like it is internal, but a lot of it is external because a lot of us are shaped and influenced by our, our environment. So definitely, definitely getting away from your normal would be a great first step. Wow, that's a great answer. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Oh, cool, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's actually really great advice. You know, shaking up the normal, like going somewhere else can be huge. And especially, I guess, for like students or kids, like living away from home Mm. can be a big thing because then you don't, you don't have anything to do or anything you have to do. So you can just waste your entire day or you can, you know, find something that you love to do. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And being able to take that step into maturing and really finding what you love to do is huge. It's hard, it, you know, it's hard, but it's, it is huge, right? It's a big, it's a milestone, honestly. I think it's a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And being able to, like, be aware that you're in the journey is even mm-hmm. bigger, right? 100%. So, you know, being a makeup artist, um, how do you tap into your creative side? That is such a good question. I actually had um, another one of my friends, she asked me to do like an interview for class and she asked me the same thing. And I had a hard time kind of writing it down. Most of my, okay, so most of my um, ideas <laughs> and my looks on Instagram, I actually never thought out. Um, unless I'm recreating a look, I don't think out really my my looks. Like I literally just sit down I look at my my products. I'm like, okay, we're going to go with this color. And then I just kind of make it work. I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like unless I'm really inspired by something ex- externally, I try to pull a lot of my creativity from within, which is also very conflicting because I have a lot of roadblocks and then it causes me to get discouraged. So I feel like I should probably change my creative process. And that's okay. Like, the creative process is constantly changing, constantly developing. 
And I think I'm going to start changing it to actually, strangely enough, probably doing more research. Like I know, like I talk a lot about research and like education, but I feel like it's important, you know, like even if, even if you are passionate about something and you're good at something, you always need to educate yourself so that you could become even better than you were yesterday. So definitely for me, it's going to start becoming me being more thoughtful and like really thinking out every post that I make. Mm, Yeah. I love that. I think it's just about, you know, continually learning. Mm -hmm. And even if, you know, you're so talented, Thank you. (laughs) yeah, of course. Even if you are at that point, just being able to always learn and like take ideas, mm-hmm. um, even if it's from external, like researching resources, just exactly. learning. Exactly. hundred percent. And my last question for you is okay. for any of my girls struggling with makeup tips, what is your number one tip? Oh my God. There's so many. Okay. So I always say, um, I feel like a lot of people have a problem with blending base like blending your foundation out and like picking your exact color oh my god yeah um I always say to to match your foundation to your neck not just your chin not just your I'm sorry not just your your chest match it to your chest not just your neck excuse me I'm so sorry when Mm -hmm. you match it to your neck your chest area tends to be a bit darker especially in the summertime it has to be a little bit darker so when you match to your chest it'll give you a more even gradient I feel like so I match to my chest and then um I know that's okay that's technically one tip but I'm gonna say okay just blend your makeup out out Mm -hmm. and up and not like inward because it'll give you that more flawless airbrush look and make you have a more defined looking face with more defined looking features so up and out up and uh, out. I yes. love it. Okay, I'm going to be honest. That question was just for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's, girl, take it. Take it and run with it. I'm, like, oh, yeah. I'm trying to do my YouTube more so I can give tips. Like, honestly, I don't have any makeup videos up yet, which is super embarrassing to say. But I don't know what's the hold up. Honestly, I feel like I'm just so focused on Instagram right now. But I will start my YouTube soon so I can help people out with makeup. Because I think that everyone... If you want to learn it, like, I'm like, everyone should know how to do it, personally. Yeah, absolutely. Go check her out on Instagram. I am Kayla Beauty. And thank you. Her YouTube, of course. And thank you so much for talking to me today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you like the podcast, I'd love if you rated it and left a review.